Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Should we pray? Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words that we've just uh, read together. God, I want to thank you that that what you say is true and it's good and it's for our benefit to make us more like our saviour. And so God, as we reflect on these words now, I pray that that would be the case. God, that you'd help us to, to live and to look more like Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the Marvel movies, the, uh, the comic book kind of superhero movies that are very popular at the moment. So uh, half of the room can just go asleep for the next kind of 30 seconds or so if you're not interested, because I'm going to talk about one of the Marvel movies. Because uh, one of my favorite um, kind of characters in those movies, if you don't know them, uh, is a character called Captain America. Uh, and uh, Captain America, um, you hear about kind of his origin story uh, in the first Captain America movie. It's called The First Avenger. I realize as I explain this that if you don't know the story, it's going to sound really weird. But go with me. Uh, in Captain America, the good guys have, um, have discovered, have invented a, a super soldier serum. And they've got enough to give to one person uh, to turn into a superhero. And all of the kind of the generals of the army uh, are trying to decide who to give this serum to. And they all want to give it to this one guy uh, who looks like just the sort of person you would want to turn into a super soldier. You know, he's uh, strong and big and brave and confident. He's a, he's a professional soldier. He's just the man that you think you would choose for such a job. But the man who created the, the super soldier serum, a man called Dr. Abraham Erskine, uh, sees things a little bit differently. He doesn't want to give the serum to the same person as all the generals, because rather than looking for the strongest soldier, he knows that the right man for the job is someone else. It's a seemingly uh, weak, gentle, unimpressive man uh, called Steve Rogers. And Steve Rogers gets the super soldier serum and is turned into Captain America. Uh, and, you know, it's not a, it's not a perfect uh, analogy. It is an excuse to talk about Marvel. It's not a perfect analogy. Uh, but in the passage that we just heard read for us, it's almost as if Paul it is telling us that God does something similar to Dr. Erskine. Because... When presented with two options, when presented with strength and weakness, God makes the choice that, that no one, if they were thinking sensibly, would expect. God chooses the things of the world that are weak. And as a result, we are invited as followers of Jesus to do the same thing. We're invited to choose the path of weakness because it's there, Paul says, in the place of weakness that God's power is most fully able to be at work. 
It's almost as if our weakness is the soil in which divine power can grow. And so this morning, I want to just challenge us with this radical and offensive vision of the world. I want to invite all of us to follow in the way of Jesus. Jesus, whose life was shaped by a journey, not to a victory parade or a throne, but to a cross. Jesus, whose life was shaped by the passage through death in order to get to resurrection on the other side. And I want us to see this morning that this way of life is truly good. That that it really does lead through death out to life on the other side, out to resurrection. And I want to see that if this is true, then we can have deep, lasting, and eternal hope. Because there really is power in weakness. That's what I think Paul is saying in this chapter that we just read. That's what I want us to think about. But in order for us to get there, we have to think for just a moment about why Paul is writing this letter. Because see, Paul's relationship with the Corinthians is a complex one. A lot is happening kind of behind the scenes and was happening before this letter was written. And Paul is writing what we have for us in 2 Corinthians in order to reconcile with the church in Corinth. Because it seems that this church was was first led to Jesus Christ. They were first led to faith in Jesus by Paul. But they've since gone off him. They're no longer much of a fan of Paul because they were put off by his simple and unimpressive and humble way of teaching and way of living. And they've since been exposed to far more impressive people, people that Paul refers to as the super apostles. They're people who are self-important, who were by the standards of the world far more Uh, successful and impressive. And the Corinthians have forgotten about Paul. They've actually decided they don't like him anymore. And they're instead choosing uh, these powerful super apostles. But Paul is writing here to help them realize that the life of someone who truly follows Jesus, their life begins to take on the shape of Jesus' life. We might say that their life takes on a cross shape. They start to live a cross-shaped life. Because in the life of Jesus, in his death and resurrection, what God is demonstrating is that the way to glory, the way to righteousness, the way to power is not up and to the right like our world thinks it is. The way to glory is not through being impressive and successful. The vision for a well-lived life is not the upward climb through success and success. It's not the accumulation of power and status. It's not about comfort or wealth. It's not about finding privilege or pleasure. Now, what Jesus demonstrates to us through his life is that to live like him, to live a cross-shaped life, means that we know that the pathway to a truly good life is through what elsewhere in the Bible we hear about as being described as dying to ourselves. 
It's through humility and sacrifice. It's through service and suffering for others. It's through counter-cultural faithfulness to Jesus. It's through living a life that as the world looks on, it will think that we've lost. As it measures our life up against its model of success, it will think that we've wasted our lives, that we've been fools. But if we believe and trust in the way of Jesus in a cross-shaped life, then we'll know that the world will be wrong. That Jesus' vision for what it means to be successful, to live well, is different. Paul is trying to remind the Corinthians that the attractive life of the successful super apostles is not the way that Christians are called to go. They are called in the way of the cross. And what might that look like? What might that look like for us today to make that sort of choice? You know, that might be the person who gives up being in the in crowd in their place of work, on the ladder to career success. Because by choosing the way of Jesus rather than bending their morals in their business practices, they find themselves on the outside. It might be the person who isn't able to have the, the nice car, the nice house, the nice gadget, or the nice clothes because they've chosen generosity over accumulation. It might be the person who loses relationships or social status because they remain faithful to Jesus in a culture of compromise. The metaphor that is used time and time in the New Testament is that these decisions are like a death. They're like dying. But it's through the pathway of death that we find ourselves at resurrection. Paul is saying that this sort of cross-shaped life one that was so unattractive to the Corinthians, is the life that we are called to. And it's the sort of life in which God's power can be at work. That's what Paul is saying in verse 7. If you've got it open in front of you still, have a look at verse 7. Because Paul says that God puts his treasures in jars of clay. God doesn't choose to to place his treasure in in containers that are beautiful or impressive or strong. But he chooses weak, commonplace, fragile pots. As Paul says elsewhere, God uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses what is weak. We see that in Jesus. And it's what Paul is calling the Corinthians too, dying to self. But weakness is not the end of this story. Because remember, the gospel does not stop at the cross, but it travels through the cross on the way to resurrection. And what Paul says is that God uses our weakness, our weakness, to release his power into the world. And I want to highlight three ways that God's power works through our weakness uh, that Paul uh, points out to us in this passage. God gives us power to endure, power to bless, 
and power to persevere. So firstly, God gives us power to endure. Have a look at verses 8 and 9. Paul says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, Paul is very aware of his weakness. And I think this can be really easy to romanticize, but this is not romantic weakness. This is real weakness. Paul feels under pressure from every angle. He's saying that he's confused and he's been attacked. He feels defeated. And his revelation about the power of God has not changed this. His weakness is still weakness. Paul is struggling in his ministry, in his relationship with Corinth, but he knows that his weakness will not be the end of his story. And that his weakness is not the end of the story that God is writing. It's a difficult road on the way, but it is not his final destination because God has made his very weakness the destination of his power. And and by placing his power in Paul in the very place of his weakness, Paul is saying that God is helping him through it. He's saying that he's pressed in but not crushed. He's, he's confused but he's not in despair. God is helping him to walk through the very real weaknesses that he uh, inhabits and is experiencing. And so when we feel weak, when we are actually weak, actually burdened down and at the end of ourselves, as maybe some of us, many of us feel this morning, perhaps you feel at the end of yourself, burdened down, attacked, struck down. If that's how you feel, then what Paul is saying, what Paul wants us to know is that that is the very place where God comes and gives us power to endure. You know, that doesn't mean that we'll stop feeling weak. That's not the promise. It means that we can know that these are exactly the places that God comes to be with us and display his power through us. God comes to where we are weak and gives us power to endure. Secondly, God gives us power to bless. Look at verse 12. It says this, So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. You know, the purpose of a cross-shaped life is not to wallow in defeat and struggle. You know, we know this because that was not the point of the cross. Jesus chose the cross to release life and freedom and joy into the world, defeating the powers of sin and death. And God's power in our weakness can similar, similarly... In the same way, God's power in our weakness can release blessing into the lives of others. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, if you've ever been around someone whose life even partially is shaped by the cross. They give up of themselves for the good of those around them. And maybe you've known a person like this who who just by being around them 
You've been blessed. You've received something of Jesus. They've challenged you and encouraged you and pointed you to God and called you, even implicitly, to live in the same way. You know, I can say this this morning because he's uh, not here, so it's less uncomfortable. I think our vicar David is one of those people. I'm sure if Liz was still in the room, she'd say he's not like that in every way. Uh, but he certainly is in many ways. And lots of us in this room have experienced this. You know, he's a man who follows Jesus in the way of the cross. And he's a blessing to those around him as he does that. You catch it just by spending time with him. God gives us power to endure and his power works in us to be a blessing to others. And finally, we are given in our weakness the power to persevere. Look at verse 14. It says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Let me say it again. The cross is not the end of a cross-shaped life. The empty tomb is the end of that story. Resurrection is the end of that story. And so God releases in us a power to make it to the very end. Not just to endure through our weakness, but to know that our weaknesses are never the end of the story that God is writing. God is working to bring about his new creation in us and through us where new life will overflow abundantly from all those who have been rescued from sin and death through faith in Jesus Christ. And so with this sure and certain hope for the end in mind, Paul is able to have this incredible perspective that we read of in verses 17 and 18. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory which far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Paul is saying that his weakness, our weakness, the way of the cross that we are invited to choose, is achieving for us a far better end than we could possibly imagine or hope for or achieve by chasing success as the world around us offers it. And so we can have lasting and untouchable and eternal hope as we fix our eyes on what is ahead, on what God has in store for us. And so there is power in weakness. It's such a countercultural idea. As always, God's kingdom vision is an upside down vision. It's not the, the water that we're swimming in in the world around us, but Paul wants us to know that there is power in weakness. And not in romanticized weakness, but actual weakness. We are called to follow in the way of the cross the way of denying ourselves, giving up what our natural desires might lead us towards and allowing ourselves to become less in the service of God and of others. 
But when we go that way, when we choose to path through death to ourselves, there is life on the other end. God will give us the power to endure, the power to be a blessing, the power to persevere all the way to the new creation that he has in store for his people. And so this morning, I believe that God, through his word, wants to invite us to follow the way of Jesus, to go the way of the cross, and to know as we do that, God's power at work within us. And so maybe this morning, you need to choose weakness again. Perhaps even now, by the prompting of the Spirit inside you, there are places that are coming to mind that you know where the world might want to lead you to choose its vision of strength. But God wants to invite you to follow Jesus into the way of weakness. Now, maybe you need to lose that argument. Stop trying to please those people. Give up that pleasure. Surrender what that group might think about you. Or maybe this morning you need to trust again in the power of God. And maybe you've been faithful, maybe you've been walking in the way of weakness, but you're about to give up because you're not sure that God's power is going to come through. And I believe that God wants to encourage you this morning that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so I'd like to pray uh, to that end that we would be able, that we would be brave to choose weakness and know God's power. So why don't we pray? Father God, would you send your spirit now on us, your people, and lead us in a better way, in the way that Jesus took, in the way of the cross. And God, we know it is so hard to choose. We God, we know that everything around us is trying to lead us in another way. God, we know the way of the cross is painful. Because we hear your call to trust your vision of the good life and no other. And if you're sensing God prompting you, perhaps this morning in a fresh way to, to go in the way of the cross, I just want to pray for you and you might want to find some way of marking a line in the sand of making this your prayer. You might want to put your hands out in front that you want to receive. You might want to raise a hand. You might want to kneel, whatever it is. But I would love to pray for you now as perhaps you hear and respond to this invitation. God, for my brothers and sisters who you are calling in particular ways this morning to choose weakness. God, where there's a situation in mind or a difficult decision that needs to be made, God, would you give us courage to live like Jesus. And God, I pray that as we walk in your way, 
we would know your power at work within us. So come, Spirit of God, and challenge us, shape us, call us onwards. Come, Holy Spirit.